Well, hello, Fellowship family. It's great to have you with us. I want to let you know that we're, we have a trip coming up to, um, to Israel this coming, actually, it's a year from this month. And so we've got an informational meeting tomorrow evening at 6.30 p.m. right in here. If you have any questions about it, how much it costs or anything like that, it's an awesome opportunity to go and see the Holy Lands. Uh, that trip is going to take place in October of 2019. So if you want to hear more about it, come tomorrow evening at 6.30. Okay, so today we're talking about uh, being available to forgive. And as always throughout this whole series, we're looking at the whole concept of what could happen if my life was in the hands of God, where I really allowed him to teach me in some key areas. We talked about being available with the gospel Today we're going to be talking about what would it look like if I was willing to forgive. Don't you think our world needs more forgiveness? We are just traveling heavy. Think about this real quickly. Um, The word of God calls us to forgive and to forgive as Jesus has forgiven us. Our key verse for this week has been Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So we're not just told to forgive, we're shown how to forgive. We're shown the love of Christ. Now, all of us love that God is a forgiving God. All of us love that, and I bank my relationship on it. I receive the forgiveness of God, and that's what I I just thank the Lord for. I know some people don't like it that when a church talks about sin, but man, we're all messed up, folks. We are. And we need forgiveness. And God freely gives forgiveness at a great cost to him, but he freely forgives. And we love to receive that, but we don't always love to give it. Why is that? Why is that? Well, let's just draw a a picture of what it looks like to forgive. And so I've crafted out of this verse a definition for us to follow and to kind of serve as an outline. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness, in my definition, is the choice to release someone from a debt they owe by paying the debt yourself. So think about this. uh, Forgiveness is a choice. It's not anything I can say, forgive them, do it. It's something I can command you to do. It's your choice. It's your choice. You have to choose to forgive, but you have to forgive someone. Who's that someone in your life? Some of us could go back to an experience that happened in our childhood, and we go, all of it began when that person did this to me, and that's a legitimate issue, and that's something that you've got to work through with the help of Jesus. You'll never do it on your own. Others of us will go, boy, the guy who cut, I don't know what it is, but the guy who cut in front of me on the way to church today, I just said things I could never say in church. Well, who is that someone in your life? Does God bring someone to mind right now that you've been holding an attitude of unforgiveness, that you've been seeking revenge, that you've been looking for that future time you can get even? Because that's the second thing you do, is that you release them from a debt. 
And that debt that you have is something that's most of the time just just determined by you because you're the one who it hurt the most. When someone is, offends you or frustrates you or annoys you, you kind of go, boy, that hurt me. I'm going to get them back. And revenge is also known as payback, right? So when you forgive, you have to release them from a debt that you've established they owe you. And how much is that debt? Well, most of the time, it's more than that person thinks because you're the one who it hurt the most. That's why in our, com- uh, in our uh, country, you're not allowed to serve on a jury for any injury that happened to you. Why? Because you're biased. You know how much it hurt you. You can't look at it objectively. And so they have other people who can look at who are away from the pain, could talk about what justice looks like. And this last part is the hidden part of forgiveness. This means that you pay the debt yourself. This is something, because God saw the debt that we had against him, and he chose to provide payment for that in his son, Jesus. And so when we we reflect and we love and we forgive as Christ forgave us, we're releasing someone from a debt they owe by paying the debt ourselves. Let's take a look at what this uh, looks like in the scriptures. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 29. As you're turning there, let me just tell you that a walk with Jesus, a walk with Jesus is a journey. And it's an adventure. It's not boring. It's invigorating. It's exciting. With Jesus, he wants you take, to take you to the depths of the darkness of this world to shine the light of Christ. And he also wants to take you to the heights of his glory and excellencies in Jesus Christ. And so on this journey, we have to, we must travel lightly. We can't pack heavy unforgiveness in our hearts. I've got a friend who works with people and he helps them obtain optimal health. His name is Dr. Rick Tegg. And Rick tells me that every pound, every unwanted pound that we carry around, it provides six pounds of pressure on our joints, on our knees, on our feet, with every step we take. This pack is loaded with 60 pounds of junk. I think about how it affected every step in me coming out here. When I turned, I'm so free now to take the pack off and to not carry it anymore. I don't know what you came in here with. I don't know what you're packing. But I want to explore it with you today because it's related to your choice to forgive or not. So let's take a look at the scriptures, and then we'll unpack in our lives what this looks like. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 29, it says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only as such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let's take a look at this. Remember, our definition of forgiveness is the choice to release someone from a debt they owe by paying the debt yourself. Why should you forgive? And here's, here's a, just in short, 
Because when you choose not to forgive, you burden your life and everyone around you. Everyone is affected around you. Every relationship you're in is affected by your willingness or unwillingness to forgive. And so forgiveness is a choice, but unforgiveness is a choice also. I want to explore those specifically as Paul addresses them in these passages. So to forgive or not. See, forgiveness is a choice between either the burdens of offenses or the freedom of forgiveness. Think about when someone offends you, when someone hurts you, when someone speaks out against you, or you hear about what was said behind your back. That is an offense. And you can choose with unforgiveness to stack it and to pack it on your life. And what it does is it just burdens your life. It's like you going on, going on a hike with a lawnmower battery. Why would you do that? Why would we stack offenses on our lives? Well, Paul addresses it as, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. That word corrupting talk literally means rotten. Don't let anything that's rotten. This word has been a descriptor for rotten fruit or rotten vegetables in the marketplace. And I can just think about some of the rotten vegetables. I smell like potatoes. They're the worst. They're the worst. It's like, get this out of our house. And it stays around for a long, long time. The next time someone is cutting down someone behind their back, the next time someone's gossiping about them or venting to you, just go, man, wait, oh, man, your breath smells. It just smells. They go, really? Uh, oh, thank you, man. Friends tell friends. Yeah, but not really your breath. It's what you're saying. That stinks. That stinks. You're tearing down that person when they're not here to speak for themselves. Yeah, but you're my friend, and friends tell friends. We can vent to each other. Not really. Not really, because if you're saying them, that about them when they're not here, what are you saying about me when I'm not here? That's what we do when we find that friend. Or you go, hey, you need to pray for one of my friends who's been malicious and has hurt me deeply. How many of us have prayed? God, get them. Amen. <laughs> yeah, we can create, we can foster, we can nurture a corruption of talk that comes out of our mouths. Some of us who are very verbal, this is our spiritual gift, right? We just, I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm. My wife tells me that from time to time. It's not a spiritual gift. That's corrupting talk. Because when I speak sarcastically, everyone wants to know, hey, did you mean that? <laughs> just kidding. No, I kind of meant a part of that. It just helps me hide behind that. Don't let any corrupting talk come out of your mouth because God wants your speech to be free. He wants your speech to have the freedom of forgiveness. And one of the ways we do that is we say for, you're forgiven. We talk kindly, even to those who have been unkind to us. We show them the freedom because it's going to be a burden if we carry it around or we spew it out of our mouths. Paul says, be freed. Have edifying talk. Here's the other thing. God never calls us away from something that he doesn't call us to something greater and better. 
Look what he says. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Think about that. That's a great grid for the words you speak to other people on a Monday morning around the water cooler or in the cubicle or on down the side hall. Is, is, does it bring grace to that person? Am I treating people better? Am I talking about them better than they deserve? That's the freedom of forgiveness. Secondly, when we choose to forgive or not, it's a choice between either the cycle of revenge or an experience in grace. Let's talk about the cycle of a revenge. Paul says, put away all wrath and anger. What do we do with wrath and anger when someone offends us? Well, that's our demand for payment. And forgiveness releases them from that payment. But unforgiveness just tacks that on their bill, right? We kind of do that. And for those of us who just wait for that moment, whether it's immediate revenge, where you just fire back a few words, or delayed revenge, like no payments till 2020. I'm going to get you. Just wait. We can do that. And that's the cycle of revenge. And that cycle of revenge just makes it worse. Just makes it worse. Those words wrath and anger uh, can address issues from passionate rage to a settled hostility. Boy, this covers all of our wirings. Some of us just explode. We get angry and we speak out and we get really upset when someone offends us. Have you ever seen my big fat Greek wedding? That was my home. Someone offended us, we just let them have it. And then there's more of the Western Kansas approach. We don't talk about it, but we withhold love. We go quiet. And so the house gets really quiet, and the kids wonder, why isn't mom talking to dad? Well, it happened 72 hours ago. This is a new record for us, because we're really good at withholding love, depending on how you're wired. And all of those, from the extremes of out crying or the things of withholding love. All of those are addressed in this passage. Get rid of it. Get rid of wrath and anger. Get rid of the payback because ultimately you're on a journey with Jesus and a journey with Jesus. He wants us to experience grace. And anytime we talk about grace, it's not fair. It's not fair. You can say, Joe, I don't think God is fair in the world as I see all the hurt and the pain. No, God's not fair. He's not. You don't get, I don't get what we deserve. We deserve his wrath. Through Christ, we get his righteousness. We deserve punishment. We deserve revenge against from the Lord. But instead, we get grace, undeserved, unmerited love from God. I grew up learning what grace meant with an acronym, and it's God's riches at Christ's expense. Everything, all the frustration, all the offense of my life against God, he put on Christ on the cross. God wants us to continue on an experience of grace. He wants to move our hearts to know what it's like. And I don't know about you, but I fall on grace every time I think about Jesus. Because I'm not in because I've been a great person. Folks, you're not here because we're any better than the world around us. Really, we are. I mean, come on, really? We're messed up. We need grace. We aren't here because we're perfect. We're here because we're broken, we're fallen, and we recognize our need, and we come to Jesus and say, fix me. Fix me. 
Only you can do that. And that's all about grace. And when we come to Jesus and we ask him to do that, then he's going to fix us. You've got to allow him to fix our hearts and to take us on a journey that we experience his grace. Revenge, revenge just picks away at our lives. We think about how revenge fits in or doesn't fit in our relationships, how it's hurt nation after nation who has a history of a hundred and thousands of years of revenge. And it always amplifies. It always gets worse. We notice this with kids on the playground. I tripped over your feet. I'm going to trip you. I, I nudged you. I'm going to punch you. And pretty soon, the principal's out there breaking up a fight, right? We do this. We always, there's always this for that. And revenge is a cycle that leads just in a downhill spiral. I don't know what kind of family you grew up in, whether it was live out loud when it came to anger or whether it was quiet or anywhere in between. But folks, the cycle of revenge is never enough to calm the beast of unforgiveness. Third, I want to talk about the blind side of bitterness or to choose to forgive it's all about the love of Jesus. And by this, I think about the, just the heavy weight of bitterness in our lives. It exacts a toll that's far more than we imagine. But it's just dead weight. And as it just takes a hold of our lives, it becomes this monster. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, Blindside. But it's uh, the story of Michael Orr, who played for the Baltimore Ravens, and then Tennessee Titans, and then the Carolina Panthers. But it's the whole story around the NFL quarterbacks at his time, when, when his position became as an offensive tackle, very important for the offensive line. NFL quarterbacks were going back, and they were looking, and they had their open guy, and they went back, and all of a sudden, someone out of their blind side just goes, and in slow motion, we see it. It made the top 10, you know, of ESPN shots of a quarterback having a season-ending or career-ending injury because of a blindside that happened. I mean, now the NFL, an offensive tackle has to come, and they cradle the quarterback, and they lay him down <laughs> on the ground, and there's no flag. But in my day, you got pummeled. It just wreaked havoc in your life to be an NFL quarterback when something came out of your blind side. Bitterness, my friends, cannot be contained. It just spills over, and it's, it's the blind side. It hits you so that it, the anger that's unsettled and the unforgiveness that you haven't dealt with in your life, a guy cuts in front of you, and just come unglued. You gotta get them. Get that flat tire. And then they continue driving, and you're driving six inches off their back bumper and they turn right on 10th and Wanamaker and you realize you're actually going to church with that person. (laughs) And what do you say when you see them? Good morning. It's good to have you here. Yeah, that's a blind side of bitterness. I've got a good friend. His name is Ron McKenzie. And Ron McKenzie gives a Russian proverb, and when we say it, we all take on the Russian accent, and we go, you can choose to dance with the bear, but the bear always chooses when the dance is over. Bitterness is that. 
It's a dance with this monster, this creature that's so much more powerful than you. And you do, you start, when you dance, you start all of a sudden, tables start getting turned over and other people start being affected by your anger and your revenge. And pretty soon you're kicking the cat when you walk in the house and you're wondering what is happening here because the bear is still dancing. And it leaves us powerless. And in a walk with Jesus, it just blindsides us in a burden and in a weight when our walk with him is supposed to be about the love, the love he's chosen to give us. And as long as we're burdened with an unforgiving attitude and a, and a bitterness towards people and life, we're not going to be able to climb the heights of God's love. We're not going to be able to descend to the depths of the people God wants us to love because we only love people who are in a veneer of people just like us, who see the world like I see it, who believe what exactly I believe. And by the way, there's more things that happen. The more I get old, the more things I believe are important. And pretty soon, I'm only loving myself. I'm only taking care of myself. It's a blind side of bitterness when really we've been called into this glorious light of following Jesus, where his love, his love starts redefining us. And on this journey, don't we have Jesus saying, hey, do you want to learn how to love? I'll show you how I loved as I loved the church and I gave myself up for her. Do you want to show, I'll show you how to forgive as, as God in me forgave you on the cross. Do you want to know how to endure trials? And when things don't meet your expectations, I'll show you how I endured because I actually endured to the very cross where I died for your sins. And do you want to know how to be humble? Well, I'll show you because I left the glory of heaven, equality with God, and I didn't take it as something to be grasped, but I made myself a servant in human likeness. And I came and I, I made myself obedient to the Father, even to the point of death, death on a cross. See, everything we need in this journey with Jesus, Jesus is right there to teach us if we're willing to catch it and follow him. A follower of Jesus, church, follows Jesus. That's what we do. And so uh, if we're going to be willing to follow Jesus through this topic of forgiveness, we must be willing to forgive and love the love of God in your life. Receiving the love of Jesus for you helps you forgive. Let's continue. There's one more, and it's called the spillover effect. If we choose to, to not forgive or if we choose to forgive the legacy of forgiveness. The spillover effect. What do I mean by that? Paul mentions some key words here. Clamor and slander, which is speaking evil of others. Malice. We don't usually say malice, but we usually say malicious, right? And what malicious means is that we think the worst and we want the worst for someone. Folks, these are monsters. These are monsters that you will not be able to contain if you allow them into your life. Unforgiveness is rarely taught with kids. I've never had one time with my kids where I've said, now kids, if you really want to get even with someone, here's how you do it. Here's dad's five ways of getting revenge. And this is how you hold an unforgiving attitude in your heart. My, uh, what I say to my kids and what I've said to my kids over the years has usually been the opposite. 
Kids, we need to forgive as Jesus loved us and he forgave us. So my ideology is usually spot on with the scriptures, and I'm thankful for that. The problem is, in this topic of forgiveness, it's not necessarily what you taught. It's what they caught. So after devotions, if we're headed to the store and someone cuts in front of me, and I go, you idiot! Guess what they just caught? That's how I do this. Dad, when I'm driving at 16, someone cuts in me. Thanks for teaching me, you idiot, because now I can do that too. Thanks. Yeah, if they said that to us, we would be messed up. How many things have you caught from your parents? Think about how your parents resolved issues in your family. Boy, dad let mom have it. Guess what you go to marriage with? That's how I correct my wife. Boy, mom withheld love from dad when she was upset. She just gave him the silent treatment. That's how I'm going to approach my husband when he messes with me. So we tend to catch a lot of these things in an unforgiving heart. And, and the legacy that I think we want to leave is much more different than, than how we act. So right up to this point, when someone's offended you, when someone's fell, fallen short of an expectation, when someone doesn't treat you kindly, how have you responded to them? Because that's usually what your kids are catching from you. And can I just say this? Your mind learns how to handle conflict. And it just, what goes around comes around because it's cyclical in your mind too. And that spillover effect isn't just you holding it in. You can't hold anger and resentment and bitterness and malice. and You can't. It just comes out. And you're teaching yourself every time you fly off the handle how to do this. I remember having a couple in my office and they were thinking about getting married. And this woman said, Joe, I want you as my pastor to just check out this guy before I go deeper in a relationship with him. Well, I had a jam-packed afternoon, and I was meeting with a family to plan their funeral of a family member, and that went over by about 10 minutes. And I come in, and I said to the woman and the man, I said, come on into my office, I'm really sorry. I was meeting with a family planning their funeral, come on in. We get in, we sit down in my office, and he sits there like this, he goes, you know what, if you wouldn't have come in in three minutes, I would have been out of here. I don't have any patience for people who are late. I said, really? So if I were a doctor and I was saving someone's life over here and I was just a little bit late coming to you, you would leave? Yes, that's how I roll. And folks, it went downhill from there. (laughs) So they both leave. She gives me a call. Pastor Joe, what should I do? Run for your life! I had 10 minutes with you. I had 10 minutes. For the rest of your life, that's what you want? My goodness. Well, thank you. I guess I know which direction to go. This is too easy. Well, don't let, I'm not going to share it if you come and talk with me about it. I'm going to share it with the whole congregation. This happened many years ago. But can I just say this? Man, we have no idea of the spillover effect. How many people are affected? How many people are affected by your lack of forgiveness? 
Most likely, your closest relationships are, your children are, most likely everyone you work with are affected by your choice either to forgive or not. What legacy do you want to leave? This is a legacy that's not taught, it's caught. So it's on experience. It's not just on ideology, folks. We've got to be willing to forgive. So how do we do it? How do we forgive? Well, the word of God is not silent on this. And God is very active. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit of God is someone that's pleased. He's working in us. It's the engine of the spiritual life in us to show us how and to empower us to forgive. And I would say we, every one of us who knows Jesus needs that. We need a power greater than our own to do that. And to be a person of faith means that we're not just willing to know about this power, but to trust in this power to help us forgive. And I'll just say this. God has taught me more about love and forgiveness in a walk with Jesus than I could have ever mustered from any book, any resource, any word of wisdom in this world. I need a deeper wisdom from God in this. All of us do. And it only comes from God. And in short, this answer is simple to hear, but it's difficult to do. But we are simply to forgive as Christ forgave me. Now, I just want to talk to you who are here and you're unsure about Christ. You haven't given your life to him. You haven't put your faith and trust in him. And all I would say is, this is your first step in learning how to forgive, is to be forgiven yourself. I talk to a lot of people who aren't yet at the faith perspective in their lives. They're just, they don't believe in the supernatural. They don't necessarily believe in God. They like to depend on things that are rational or reasonable to them in their minds. And I would just say, if there's anything that just reminds me over and over, I need a savior, it's anger and unforgiveness in my life. It is a power that I can't handle on my own. And as we look at what that first step is, is we understand that we can't save ourselves. We can't do life on our own. But God has not left us lonely. He's not left us alone. He's very much involved in our lives. And he very much wants to engage us. And he has in Christ. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect life in this world. He lived a life I couldn't live. You know, I can live better than you on the topics I choose to be better than you, but none of us can be perfect. None of us. Jesus came and he was perfect. He was without sin. And as he lived this life, he continued to preach that he was the way, he is the truth, he is the life. No one came to the Father except through him. And then Jesus did something, is he died on a cross. He died on a cross and he satisfied a debt with God the debt of my sin, and the debt of your sin. He died on the cross for that, and God took out all his anger and his wrath on Christ for my sin. That's why it's not fair. It's not fair. Because if I, if I deserved it, I should have gotten it, but, but Jesus, who didn't deserve it, received it. He did that. He died on the cross for our sins. And then he rose again on the third day. And through that resurrection gives me life and victory over sin in my life. So it's all the work of Jesus if this is going to make it. And you have to come to a point where you realize it's not in you saving yourself. It's not you being more intelligent. It's you trusting in Jesus, the only one to save you. And I would just encourage you right now, that first step of forgiveness is to receive the forgiveness of God right now in your life by faith. Put your faith and trust. Say, God, he didn't get it coming in here, but now I got it. You lived for me. You died for me. You rose again for me. I receive that in my life.
and by faith, trust in the work of Christ for you. Now that you know him, you join everyone else in this room who know him. And we choose to reflect forgiveness the way we've been forgiven. That's the model. It's the model of Jesus. And so looking at this, what is the model of Jesus? This is that we are all fully forgiven. Fully forgiven. Which means we need to practice a full forgiveness in our lives. When you think about identifying the cost of an offense on someone who's sinned against you, and you think about paying the bill, some people will be easy to forgive. My wife is a very easy person to forgive. But there's other people who I don't have as deep of a relationship with who can wound me and are much more difficult to change. Who I haven't said they're sorry yet. Should you forgive people if they haven't said they're sorry? Again, who carries the burden and gets entangled with the cords of our unforgiveness? We do. So forgiveness is something we need, to, we need to give people, even if they don't deserve it. But it's full. And all I would say is it begins. It begins. And so some of us can think about the people who frustrate us, the people who annoy us. Those are the people you forgive first, because they're easy. They're small offenses. Let those offenses go. Don't go, hey, I need to meet with you. I mean, you, you cut in front of me on the way to work today, and man, I just, I need to let you, I'll forgive you. You know, don't just let them go. You don't need to meet with them. There's other people who've done more damage. Those are the people you need to meet. You need to meet with before you talk about them behind their back. You need to meet with them even before you process your hurt with your spouse. Why? Because I can restore with you, but my spouse still has an issue with you, right? Your spouse tends to choose your side all the time. Why? Because they love you. And they are, they, uh, a hurt against you becomes a hurt against them. So run to that person and fully forgive them. So on the way home from church, this can be as simple as go, merge, merge in front of me. Have a wonderful day on this rainy Sunday. But as you forgive the small things, God is going to build up a greater capacity for you to forgive the larger things. Begin with the smaller and work your way. And then secondly, not only do we give full forgiveness, we give final forgiveness. How many of you in relationships have heard, you always, you never? (laughs) That's not final payment. That means the next time it happens, I'll remind you, and I'll do that again, and I'll do that again. In other words, you don't change, you don't change, you don't change. That's a way we get even. That's a way we get even. That's a way we get payback, is we give guilt and shame. There's a final payment that's required. And just as there's been a final payment in your life, when Jesus was on the cross, his last words in Greek, tetelestai, and he gave up his spirit and died. Tetelestai actually was a market term. It literally was stamped on every bill you paid. And it says this, paid in full. Nothing else is required. When you mess up with Jesus, he's not like, well, okay, well, just be a really good person this week, and maybe you'll make up for it. No, he isn't. He says, I got that covered. That's in the work of Christ. Let me set you free. Now live towards grace. 
reflect this forgiveness. And I've found that the way I perceive Christ's forgiveness of me is the way I tend to give Christ's forgiveness to others. Remember, it's full and final. Peter asked Jesus, hey, how many times should I forgive my brother? In other words, I want a number. I want a number because when they go over, we're done. <laughs> and, and some say, it was seven times seven was what Jesus said, so it's 49. But most scholars say 70 times seven. It's 490. Folks, that's a lot of, huh, 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 huh. Stop counting, Peter. Stop counting and rest in my forgiveness. Final, final. That doesn't mean when they do it again, you won't talk to them. It just means I'm not going to bring up the past sins. If you have the perception that God, every time you mess up, he goes, oh, here we go again. Then it's going to affect the way you forgive someone else. So it's a full, it's final. And then I would say this, it comes at a great cost. Your forgiveness came at a great cost. It cost God's only son, Jesus, to live for you, die for you, and rise from the dead. Folks, that's a great cost. And it is a free gift to us. Because I didn't have to do anything for it. But it cost God a great cost. And I would say you will recognize when you eat the cost yourself of someone's sin against you, how expensive your life was before the Lord. And how valuable and significant God thought your life was to send his only son to this world. You see, that whole picture of a great cost, it's going to cost you. Sometimes it's going to cost you respect Sometimes it's going to cost you a reputation. Sometimes it's going to cost you a positive image. Man, we can choose. Do I want to make Jesus greater or do I want to make my own image greater? Forgiveness will determine that every time you choose to forgive. It's going to come at a great cost. I won't deny that. It's going to hurt, but ultimately it's going to set you free. And then finally, it's ultimately when you forgive, you want to reveal a greater love. Marriage has taught me a lot about loving. I never knew how selfish I was until I got married. (laughs) And then I never knew how selfish I was until I had kids. It radically changed my life. But I think I have a deeper love because I got married and because we had children. I just learned more about love that way. But not everyone has to be married or has to have children to learn this. We ultimately are all people that God wants to show a greater love to. And if we operate with a 50-50 love, like you do this for me and I'll do that for you, you forgive me and I'll forgive you, you are, that is destined for destruction. Destined for destruction. Why? Because I perceive how much love you're giving me, right? If you were unsensitive to me, well, now you're at 30. How much am I giving you back? 30. If you hurt me, especially in front of my friends, well, now you're at 10. I'm going to give you 10. That is not a greater love. That's a logical, rational, normal love, but it's not godly. We're called, literally, to give 100% unconditional love as we've been loved by God. That's the greater love that God wants to reflect. And he wants to do it through your life and mine. How? By how we forgive. So I want to be a man 
who is forgiving the way I've been forgiven. I want to be a man who is forgiving some of the greatest hurts and offenses against me over the course of my life. I want to walk in freedom. I want to have an experience in grace with God on a journey with him. I don't want the burden of unforgiveness affecting my walk with Christ and every relationship I'm in. And if you just look at this, why in the world would anyone pack this on a journey? Why would this make my backpack? Well, it's silly, isn't it? It's just that's what I do when I'm unforgiving. I just pack garbage into my life. Come to Jesus. Be forgiven and forgive as he's forgiven you. How many of you want this forgiveness in your life? How many of you want to reflect this forgiveness? I'll just wait. Keep your hands up. Good. A majority. All right. Well, why don't you stand and I'll pray for you as we take these steps towards forgiveness with Christ. Father, I thank you for each person you brought into this room, and I get excited when you bring people into our, our home each week where we lean into your word, we lean into your spirit, and we say we'll be available for forgiveness. I think about all the relationships that a room this size of people will affect, will change all the legacies that we'll rewrite history with in our families, in our relationships, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our city. And we see what you can do. We get a glimpse of this. We now see the vision of it. So begin with me. Begin with each person in this room. May we travel lightly and unburdened by an unforgiving, by, by a forgiving spirit in our lives. May we practice kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiving one another as you have forgiven us. And may Jesus and his love be greater on earth as he is in heaven. Begin with us, Heavenly Father, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Go church, travel lightly. Have a great week.